part to me is uh, mostly irrelevant, but the most one of the most important things that humans do. You know, we express ourselves, and some people are more sensitive to the environment around them than others. That's why there's so many different kinds of artists. Like, uh, and just the way people do things is art. Just humans being creative, I guess, is, uh, is how I define art. Like, my uncles always impressed me because they could listen to an engine over a phone and tell you what was wrong with it. It's like that was always impressive. So it's like it's not just being able to paint or write or create something with your hands or your mind. You know, it's just being able to think even slightly abstract is, is an art form that I'd ever, like, it's, it's unique to you. you. You know, there might be seven or nine other people in the world that actually do it, but, you know. Art is irrelevant, but important. Welcome, this is the Minot Arts Podcast, your map to the arts in small-town America. Our guest today is local artist Arvin Davis Jr. I'm your host, Justin, along with my co-host... Shandell. And we'll be delving into small-town arts and arts-related things with Arvin today. So, welcome! Thank you for coming. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I don't know how... It, it scares me. The microphone scares me. I'm not used to having my voice recorded for anything. It shouldn't be. I don't think my words are important. I think we disagree. Yeah. So that's why you're here. <laughs> but I understand it's a little intimidating. It so, is. Yeah. It can be. Yeah. Now, if I had like a Bob Barker microphone, I might be a little more. There you go. Maybe we look into that. <laughs> Does it come with a sport coat? It would almost have to. Right. Right? It should. It should. It, should. it can be a awesome. checkered sport coat as well. Somehow none of this is relevant to art. So let's get started. But it is, right? Can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you became involved in art making? As far as I can remember, I've done art. I think every artist kind of or creative person feels that way. They're always like, I was creating something with my hands. And, but as I got older, my parents would buy those, not necessarily Walmart, uh, packages of really crappy uh, coloring pencils and just pencils in general and bought me a sketchbook. And I would, that was my escape growing up on military bases. It's kind of, I got art, I'd read, I'd do all that. And, and eventually as trauma and everything settled in, like art just became my, my foundation. It was an escape point as a way to express myself in a safe environment rather than uh, being self-destructive. I could be self-destructive on the page. I'm not saying I'm not self-destructive anymore, but I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I still do some, uh, like, I have uh, adults my age are like, you're getting old. It's like you don't know if that's like passive aggressive. Of uh, <laughs> 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 all right, it's time to put your big boy pants on. And you know, just eventually, I became you know when it, I started focusing on art when it's all you think about, like when you're actively doing something that should take all of your mental ability to focus on it and you're just like what if i just painted a picture <laughs> <laughs> or you start working on a picture in your mind or i could do this or this would make a good art project or this is a good idea and you're just 
constantly thinking about how you can be creative is when I really was like, this is what I need to do. I need to do art in some capacity that it's like, this is my career. Like, I feel like uh, Social Security is not going to be there for me when I retire. So if I'm going to work for the rest of my life, I want to have the energy to do that. And usually when you love what you do, it's, it's still work, but it's not at, you can be like, ah, fine, I get to go paint pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and you, uh, you, get to, you know, you get to do that. And yeah. Did that come to you pretty early on or did it take a while to get there? That was one of the, I think, more important things that my parents did for me was uh, they were really supportive, even if it wasn't always directly supportive of me doing art. Like, you know, when they have those fundraiser setups at schools and like the, usually your parents are always riding on like trying to buy your artwork from the school <laughs> <laughs> and my parents would always use uh what are they called pseudonyms when uh, you use a different name or yeah yep. and uh, they would always write so i always thought some random person was buying my artwork and i was like Woo! that's awesome <laughs> that's great and it was always kind of in the realm of what it is now where it's like i love trying to make something out of the random so you know it was, i would just scribble all over pages and then just start using my crappy coloring pencils and color in the, the blocks of color until, you know, you start seeing something take shape and then you focus on it. And so now I just do uh, really mo way more complicated versions of that. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that your art just kind of comes to you as you're making it through the process or do you usually start something with a concept in mind? I'm a, I, already, I have like 12 paintings going on in my head and like all times. It's just like, you ever watch, I think it was Minority Report, where, uh, like, he had, like, holograms on his hands and computers yep. and all that. Yep. Yep. And, like, moving things around. That's pretty much how my brain works. It's just, like, moving things. Like, ah, I want to work on this one today, and that's my, that'll be my focus. And then sometimes, as you're working on another, you figure out a problem for three more, and you're like, okay, put those in, and you just kind of move things around. And That's awesome. Always, always working. Never, even if I'm just wandering around, even if I'm not actively painting, I'm painting in my head. I have to ask this question because your your work spans quite a degree of of subject from from bananas <laughs> to uh, to you know, animals. Then that you have very deep and meaningful things that. Uh, have high impact uh, with what's written or created. You have realistic items. You cut. I mean, you, you just have a a lot. I, I can't think of a better. Where where does your like where does your inspiration come from? Like what what inspires? Like I'm looking at immortal quotes the dodo right now, and which is one of his paintings. If you don't know that, um, hanging on my wall, and I like where where does this come from? How do you get this idea? And you have so many different things. Where where do you find your inspiration for this? Uh, reading. Random, like random, com random conversations, reading, uh, you know, rabbit holing. Like uh, the dodo came from. No scientist actually agrees on. There's, there might be groups and pockets of scientists that agree on the dodo. They believe that it existed, but they don't agree when it went extinct. They don't agree on the size. They don't agree because the last known specimen burned up at a fire in 1762. And the only thing that was salvaged was like half a head. Hmm. 
they have some DNA from that. But like, we should clone this so we could end this argument because it's the most well-known extinct animal. And right. So it's that is interesting. That th- those type of subjects are interesting to me, where no one agrees, but it's the most popular thing. But nobody nobody agrees, and they. Like really, scientists speculate that like within this eighty-year time period is when they died, and you're just like, yeah, you can just agree that humans did it, because <laughs> <laughs> you know it. Most of what people know about it is from uh, Alice in Wonderland. They associate they're like it's a dumb bird, it's all this, and when they first arrived on the Maurice, arrived at the Mauritian Islands, uh, the artist that was with them drew a very athletic bird that ran away from the adults. And when you're the biggest thing on the island, because they didn't have to worry about anything, so they just laid their eggs on the ground. They didn't have any, no, like, there was probably people that would feed off of an accident, like they kick an egg, it breaks open. You know, there's always going to be an opportunistic. But when you start bringing mongoose, when you start bringing rats, when you start bringing cattle, when you start bringing humans that are actively killing any and everything. It's just you're like we're hungry, and they're. I guess they tasted like ostrich. I don't know if you've ever had ostrich. I have. <laughs> it's <not> actually, <laughs> and it's phenomenal. So, <laughs> it's, Justin says, "Bring back the dodo bird so I can eat it." Yes. That's, <laughs> what What were you saying about cloning? <laughs> they're, they're, they were talking about cloning it, but then there's other aspects of it because, like, once humans arrived on the. At the, the island, there were about 27 native species that went extinct. It was just the dodo was the one that caught most people's interest. And, you know, it's like the platypus. Like, when they were like, it's not real. And they kept sending them examples, of, you know, like, oh, and they're like, this can't be real. This can't be real. I and still it, feel that way about platypus. Like, they're yeah. just so cool. How are they real? So, I have a friend that recently found out that narwhals are actually real. Like, an adult friend who just found out within the past year that narwhals were not a fictional character. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) There was, uh, this is when I was doing Sperm Meets Egg, uh, a magazine that I made like four or five issues of, and then I had a mental breakdown and had to stop. Um, But it was a unicorn unicorn having sex with a whale or something like that, and that's how the narwhal came about. (laughs) Naturally. And uh, I... I couldn't stop laughing, and I tried to get them to put the... But I messed up by saying, this is a creationist-type magazine. It's just about creative people. And they're like, all they read was creationist, and they were like, oh, no. And they just started shoving various religious stuff down my throat. And I was just like, no, this is, like, for artists and writers and whoever. Like, no, this has nothing to do with that. And so it, it didn't. And she said, oh, then it's cool. I'm like, nah, that was pretty harsh. Like, I, I just said creationist once. And you were like, on on me in this email like it was like all caps but i don't know so anything and everything is interesting and you can uh, if you think about it hard enough you can make something out of it like uh the jellyfish one is just not every you can't you can be a clownfish and you can take the stings of various uh and enemies no you said it right did i yeah yeah okay (laughs) yeah it's the t (laughs) (laughs) but uh you can't withstand all stings so you know it's just taking things and attaching them and seeing how you can arrange them and then throw it all out the window as you start working on it because i like to do abstracts first and then try to pull something like i have an idea but 
so many times it goes off the rails and I have to I have to bring it back and I'm trying to stay true to that original idea while also it's like well I can't do that anymore so it's more or less it's how I uh, it's like it's life for me like the little pieces of paper big pieces of paper it's like this is how this is this is how I should be able to manage my life I should be able to handle all problems with uh, ease and always the, the balance of knowing knowing when we should stop ourselves right. and i wasn't always happy doing art like uh friends and my ex were always like are you even happy doing this <laughs> yes <laughs> yes i am <laughs> and ultimately it was just because i wasn't uh i didn't want to give myself that room to grow like i wanted to take what was in my brain and have it on the page and not have to have done all the work it took to be able to do that. Like all the realism, every, like all of, I'm interested in such a plethora of, of just inspiration that I just want to try it all because you never know where it's going to be useful. So I just try to have this gamut of, oh, we're going to do this. Let me just go through my, uh, my Rolodex, and yeah, we're going to do that, and we're going to do this, and uh, we like this a lot. So, And, you know, you're figuring out what you do and don't want to do, and, like, finding out what you don't want to do is also just as important as finding out what you do want to do. It's like knowing where you're like, I'm not doing that. Like, I can do hyperrealism, and I hate it. It's Eventually it turns into color by numbers. Like, I just don't have the patience for it. Because... Mm. It's so many layers. It's so many hours of staring at because I already work on my pieces for like anywhere between twenty and thirty hours. So to like quadruple that potentially, yeah. It's like, oh, I've been drawing this banana for so long. <laughs> <laughs> it looks great, but if I, you know, it's one of those like I could have easily just went and bought a banana and like staged all of this. It w- by the time. I would have probably grown all of these uh, different fungies on the on the on the banana itself. With you know, it's like oh. so. It's finding out what you don't want to do is important as well. Right. Sure. Did you teach now, yourself? thanks to you, of course, all I have in my head is plethora of pinatas, but that's a throw to something else. <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> like just sending a kid into a room with nothing but pinatas. Oh my gosh. Maybe get tired. Yeah. Youth rage room. (laughs) Like they walk into the room and it's just like, how many can you take out? You have 15 seconds. I wonder if that's marketable. (laughs) I wonder how long it takes to make a pinata. Uh, Depends. Um, Have you made a pinata? No, I've made so many pinatas. (gasps) Okay. They're like paper mache. It's really cheap. Right. If you make them too thick, then, you know, the kids can't break them. You have one in each room that is made really, really well. And then right. just like standard pinatas. Well, and if they make the mistake of starting there, they get no pinatas <laughs> broken. They have to, like, one of the random pinatas is almost impossible to break. We went on a tangent that. <laughs> About pinatas? All thanks to uh, Three Amigos. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were going to say I was, something. yeah. So, um, um, so when it comes to, like, you're self-taught, right? Yeah. So when you were building up your skill for the more realistic stuff, did you 
how did you work on that? Did you just sit down with yourself and force yourself to do it? Or did you take <laughs> classes or watch other things or? Uh, the library is my friend. And so is uh, YouTube. Like uh, all the times that I've instructed students, I'm just like, YouTube exists. Our teachers don't need to be here anymore. We're here to be like, this is experience. Like we have experience. We can tell you what we've tried and what we haven't tried and how we went about it. But ultimately, like YouTube exists. Like mo and I'm awful. Um, autodidactic polymath, I think is what it's called in the fancy terms, where you can watch people and, or just look at things and learn how it's done. So I just look at old masters, and when they have those nice zoomed-in pictures, you're just like, oh, I see the brush strokes there. Okay. And you just, like, I skip. There's, like, 15-minute videos, and I'm just like, not useless, gone. I don't need that. <laughs> what is this? And then you watch it for, like, 15 to 45 seconds. It's usually how long I watch things. And then I'm like, got to try it. Okay, I still don't have it. Watch some more. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it was just trial and error. And yeah, I'm not just a art school on fast forward. It's like I'm not a I'm not a sketchbook artist. Like I don't walk around with a sketchbook. My head's my sketchbook. I'd be a lot better if I had a, if I actually did that. Where it's like 15 minutes a day, you will sit somewhere and just draw. And I don't. I tried to convince myself to do that a year ago. I can tell you I've, how many pages I've filled. Good job. <laughs> Actually, no, it's like one and a half. Well, it's better. <laughs> it's, it's better than zero. After a year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, I have a sketchbook that I've had for eight years, I want to say. And I ha my kids have more pictures in it than I do. Sure. So, like, most of the time I bring that sketchbook when I'm working with clients. And then I just start scribbling this nasty thing idea like this is my idea do you understand it it's like this looks like a bunch of cables on the table and it's just like ha ah. <laughs> and I'm like I'll try to draw it clear clearer I'm sorry this is I, I know what's going on here you just have to trust me <laughs> <laughs> and, which is really hard when you're working with clients because you know they have their own they have their own idea right <laughs> and they want they want you to reach inside of their brain and just kind of hug it and pull out what, uh, what they want. And it's really difficult to do that. I don't ask enough questions. And I also am like, I run. I was like, you just tell me a word and I'm going to go. Like, like uh, when I did the Tower of People for, um, I'm, I'm just going to say a summit. And they asked the question, like, what is community, community to you? Creative Economy Summit. Yeah. Took me a minute. And it was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed having such a, like, community in itself. It's just, comp like, doesn't matter the size. I mean, it gets more complicated as it gets larger, but, like, communities are just a bunch of people that directly and indirectly affect each other, and that's where the tower of people came from. And it's just like, yeah, you, somebody that you don't even know could do something and just, like, completely takes everything out from underneath you, and you're... Mm -hmm falling down and it's like yeah you can so it's just we all depend on each other in direct and indirect ways and it's fun answering questions like that yeah where it's like there's no right answer like that's uh, like that's why i like metaphysics so much like it's like you want you're, you're gonna really think about it hard and think you have a great answer and it's probably it might be wrong like there's no you can't really uh, prove and it's somebody will come along and turn it on its head yeah and, yeah and, and it's being open to that. You, yeah. It's always being open to getting new information and being like, oh, 
I'm going to need some time to reflect on that, but uh, I like it. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go uh, do some research. Like I I research is my favorite part of of doing art, which is probably a bad thing because I will like just last night I was looking at like six or seven different varieties of violet mushrooms, not just mushrooms. Like I was like ah violet, I need ones that are violet, and I'm going to take all the different. Uh, there are port- that many varieties of violet. Mushrooms. There's a lot more than that. Those are the ones wow. that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, there's, I like no the, idea. it's like, I like the gills on this one. I like the cap on this one. I like the stem on this one. I like, and it's just like, okay, how does this one actually uh, move through the soil? How, does it, is it spread out like this or does it, you know, it's like the research is, it's like, just give me more knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's all the stupid information that I like to acquire so that I can do things like this and talk for a long time about nothing. <laughs> that speaks a lot to like process and the value of art, though. I think a lot of times we look at a piece and we don't, we don't see how many hours you've spent researching right. anything before you put it on a canvas or on a paper. Um, and I think it, it, it's interesting to think about that when it comes. We were talking to Rachel in the last session about pricing art and the importance of pricing things appropriately and a lot of times like when it comes to the value of artwork like we're not considering that at all i had to remove the emotional aspect of it like i'm just like okay i'm charging two dollars a square inch because otherwise it's like i worked with my kids on this one i don't ever want to get rid of this one sure this is so important to me or i was in such a hole mentally on this one that like it pulled me out of that that spot or brought me further into that hole and like every I try to put myself in as many of my pieces as I can it sometimes it's a pinky toe and other times it's like I'm my hair is the only thing sticking out and so removing my emotions from that was the most important thing that I did as an artist was to just be like two dollars a square inch there I don't have to think about it. I can talk with confidence when people are asking me questions instead of being like, let me tell you all the nasty that is in this. <laughs> <laughs> and there, that was, and that's also from research, like researching how to appear more professional. <laughs> I just have to start talking and they're like, he is not professional. But you know, it's just like learning how to move so you can feel confident as you speak, you know, and pricing for every artist. Is, it's it's worse than showing, in my in my opinion. Like, it was scary. It was very scary. I, was, I almost cursed. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just swear real quick. Um, it was terrifying the first time that I showed... Uh, any piece and it actually didn't even show like somebody bought it before uh the show opened because they they walked in the moment the doors were open saw it and said i live four hours away and i'm not going to be coming back for like a very long time like this is the first time i've been back in three years so she bought it and it was just a blank spot on the wall and i did not i did not want to walk in there but the worst part of it was i had to price it yeah I was more scared about the price than I was about people looking at it and being like, oh, those, 
the poor proportions are wrong. Like, why, why are the dogs and cats wearing coats and umbrellas and monocles? Like, this is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a piece I called It's Raining People, and it was a bunch of cats and dogs walking around on umbrellas and, like, uh, old uh, Gothic-style street lamps everywhere, and it was just a bunch of people raining down. And she liked it. I she want bought to see it. This piece. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, don't have a picture. You don't have you a don't picture, have a picture of even. Yeah, and uh, I've thought about recreating it, but this was first time I tried oil, and I did it on wood. Like I was, I've always into experimenting, and when you don't know what something does, you can read, but until you actively start uti- utilizing the the pieces that go into it, you're like. And it all the oil bled into the the wood and just made this nasty stain. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, it was uh, it was a learning experience, but I think I priced it at twenty dollars. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I had spent this was when I would still get angry while doing art. Yeah. And so it took me hours and hours and hours. And my uncle had a carpentry shop, so he made the frame for it, and. 20 bucks. That's the only thing I could come up with. I was like, this is worthless. But they need to make, because it was a fundraiser, like they need to make some money. Well, they changed that and they put 75 on it. And they, and the moment I walked in, the gallery owners were like, are you Arvin? Who wants to know? <laughs> <laughs> and they all talked to me and they're like, we're sorry. <laughs> There's a blank spot where your piece is. We all loved it. We're the, one of the few that saw it. <laughs> and this is why. Okay. <laughs> so it was, you know, like pricing is always terrifying, like for me, because there is so much emotion that goes behind most pieces, whether it's a landscape or whether like most artists are putting themselves even a small, like, even if you're just taking a small piece of yourself and putting it in there, it's important to you. That's you're being vulnerable. You're like, hey, look, here's a thing that I made that you have all the authority to say what you want about. And I did that. So it can come back and, you know, it, it can hurt. So, like, putting a price on how somebody's going to hurt you can. Oh, wow. You know, it, it, that's how I interpreted it in the very beginning. So I had to find a way to make that easier on myself. Yeah. And researching, like, I found that a lot of artists just go by square inch because it removes that... Oh, this is a 16 by 20 piece of paper. Let me do the math. And this is going to cost you this much unframed. If we add a frame, that's an added $400. And, you know, you start because I, I think if anybody has gotten artwork framed, it's not cheap. No. No. But uh, it's, uh, you know. Not if it's framed well. Yeah. Right. Art yeah. made. There you go. <laughs> yeah. They do, yeah, they do all my, all my work. But I think that answers too. <laughs> so, can you tell us about your experience as an artist in a rural community? You've done a fair amount of traveling and lived in various areas, and now you are in Minot, North Dakota. How are you as an artist? What is your relationship with that small town American thing? How does that influence you? All the wonderful layers peel the onion. It uh, it's a little e- it it can be easier, but it also can be more frustrating. Like it's just like anything else. Like you can be uh, 
what is the cliche, big fish, little pond? Mm-hmm. Or you're maybe you're just not looking at your resources well enough, or you're too much of a recluse, or just a scatterbrain to be able to focus on a lot. You know, there's so many different pieces. But I don't know, Minot, it's always funny to hear that Minot is considered to be like this hub of art when you're in it, you're actively in it, and you're like, like it, I, I will agree that it, in the past 10 years it has gotten better, mm-hmm. but it, it took a lot of hard work from numerous people, like putting in the work to be like, who cares if the community is fully on board with this? Like we, we see it as a, a requir- requirement for a growing community to have a good, somewhat of a foundation, and I think the like the Tabi and like all the different art pieces of For Minot working with each other, like instead of kind of having a slight conflict with each other, actively working and being like, hey, how can we communicate to be more fluid with each other so we can communicate and make this a stronger, and then taking that energy and applying it to other communities. And, you know, it's it's interesting seeing where it's at now compared to because. Minot would, I used to say Minot made you bitter. You had to work so hard just to take a step forward, and it doesn't necessarily feel like that anymore. It's like I don't know if that's because I have a lot more experience as an artist or maybe I'm just better at dealing with people, but I I like to believe that it's just the people that have put themselves in the position of power who are like, no, we're going to do this, and we're going to help those that have been grinding their face on the stone for so long. It's like, we got this. And, you know, it did become more of a community instead of being pockets, you know, instead of it being more like, uh, trying to think, like villages, you know, where it's like everyone, like dark ages where it's like, do you have the plague? It's like, no, we're going to wait 40 (laughs) days just to make sure. You know, it just everyone seemed very standoffish and you didn't necessarily want to cross over lines and I don't know, just that that's how I interpreted it, whether or not that's how factual it is. But that's what it felt like when you had to bite nails on a regular like actual not your fingernails, like you felt like you were chewing on nails a lot of times just to get a project to move forward. Like I honestly think that Candy Clown would not have been as smooth a few years ago. Like Yeah. Cause there's a lot of pieces that fell into place just in the last like six, seven, five, six, seven years, something like that. I'm really bad with dates. Like time is time is not linear. Time like, isn't a, real. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? it was uh what was it, Harvard or Stanford or one of those uh Ivy League schools that proved that time was different for everyone. Yep. Right. Yep. That was fairly recently. And it's like, yeah. So, like, when you're like, you're late, it's like, I'm on time. Yeah. Um, sorry, I think I can squeeze dimes out of nickels all day long. <laughs> as irrelevant as art is, like, it's important to, like, everything is art. The table, the microphones, nobody just wants this. Most people don't want this plain irregular looking things sticking in their face. They want it to be, have smooth lines. They want it to be balanced. Mm-hmm. They want, which is all done by somebody who has a, a trained eye for that. Or even there's lots of people that are just have a natural talent for it. 
which is also an interesting quote that I don't even know who it's from, but they talk about being a master. And that's, that's the only place where natural talent is going. Like if you have drive and you have grit, but you also have natural talent, you have the ability to be a master at something. Whereas if you just have grit and determination to move forward, you'll never achieve that master level because hmm. it takes so much energy out of you to achieve moving forward. It takes, like, that's the only time where natural ability is going to usually outweigh somebody who's just driven. Is if you have a lazy person that's really gifted. It's like, I can do this with my eyes closed. And you're like, well, my eyes are wide open and it took me a month longer than you, but guess what? Mine looks better, you know? <laughs> Because it matters showing up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, it took it took some time. It took some conversations, and people just really started to show up for Minot, and it's it's showing. Like more and more people are starting to come to the events. More and more that, that I can see, and like even at the Tabi or any like going to Northwest Art Center or just any. Any of that, like more, the community is starting to embrace it, and I think they're they might also like the fact that they're like, wow, there's arts in our community. I never knew, you know. Yeah. Just yeah. because it's being sp- spoken about more. Right. We're trying to get really loud. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. But we hear that all the time uh, recently, especially about Minot and about mm-hmm. how there's just um, a more of a culture of collaboration rather than competition. Um, and it's cool to be, it's, it's cool to witness that and to experience that because especially I think in, in larger cities where you're competing for everybody's attention, you know, you've got one gallery that feels like they're competing for another gallery's, you know, business or whatever. And it seems like, you know, Minot, the arts community in particular is really working together. I think that says a lot. And I, th- I think that's from that, like that tough moving through all the, the glass and the, the muck and having to push your way just to achieve anything, like you almost were forced to have to work with each other. You found people that you could work with fluidly. And then as we all age, as we all do, you start finding yourself in more uh, mentor-type positions or just positions of uh, influence. And you're able to be like, all right, we're going to make it easier for... <laughs> For those that are still finding themselves in the muck, you know, it's it's uh, like when you know how tough it is to achieve something, you're like, nah, let's let's try to make this easier. And I think you need that because it creates that grit, that perseverance, and willingness to keep moving forward when it's tough. And right. Like, if you don't have that, it's not really something. You you can be born with it. You can, but most of the time, that type of behavior comes from just constantly being like okay you got to keep making adjustments and you know what is a where to in order to get skin that you have to be exposed like your skin to be thicker stronger you have to be exposed to uv radiation you know it's that type of you're just constantly getting this uh, external force that's creating okay i can get through this like you can you believe you can get through it and having right people that you can point at when you're just like ripping your hair out and it's like, we got you. 
It's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I should be bald. I really should. I, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I pulled on my hair so much. It's like just it's there, and I'm just like. Ugh. But how cool? Because you're at a point now where you've been through that struggle, and you have. I'm assuming from sounds like what you're referring to is you have a team of people or a community around you that you can work with to be in that position where you can be available for the next coming generation to help them. Like, did you ever think that you would get to that? <laughs> um, uh, I made a bet. I forget how old I was, but if I made it to a third, made it to 30 alive, I got a dollar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you get paid? I got paid. I did. Got paid. All right. uh, one of my kids stole it to buy soda or something like that. But <laughs> Sounds about right. But uh, yeah, you know, it's just like I never didn't never thought I'd be in any position of influence at all or any just anything recognizable. It was just like I was just drifting through and just as you know, you find yourself just like I didn't know I was going to end up on this path, but here I am. I fell down and I woke up here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And with my like growing up military, I I went to, I think I counted it once. I went to like between 20 and 23 different schools. Like um, I, we moved like 14 or 15 times. So I was used to movement. So adaptation has always been an easy thing for me. It's like, well, that hurt, but I'm going to keep going forward and see what, uh, it's like that's not going to, like I'm, I don't, I would have been the horse that got tied to the, the post and whipped to death because like I would not have, I would not concede like, nah, I'm gonna, I'm fine. I'd rather you not be on my back. Talk about a collaboration or community engagement project you've been involved in. Uh, Candy Clown. Aha! <laughs> um, fortunately, uh, I got the grant. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. <laughs> I know you only. Like, Explain to him what I was talking about. I'm not a grant writer. I don't. I speak. Like I should not write anything because everyone's like, I don't know what you're saying until the last sentence, and then it all makes sense. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like you shouldn't. That's not how writing's supposed to work. But this is my writing, not yours. <laughs> I don't want. I don't care if people understand it or not. But Candy Clown was. Uh, it was a project that started out being much smaller. It was going to be me and a musician, and we were going to play for like three hours. And I was going to work on a live art piece while he played. And then he was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play for three hours. And I was like, no, you, like, you control the audio portion of all of this. Like you, you, get, you can bring in other musicians. You can, like, you can just control the the soundtrack for this show and i i'm i'm working on the visuals and then i brought in my friend sean keeney who is going to project things on the walls and it was going to be a much small and more intimate space and then we got the space uh for the pro bono we're just like a night of uh, chaotic debauchery sounds like fun and they uh <laughs> and we were given the space and that's when, and it's like, oh, so this freed up, because I think I had allocated like $2,000 to renting a location. And 
when that was not a, an issue anymore, I was just like, I can involve other artists because uh, artists of all kinds getting paid for their uh, their work, whether or not they're doing background. Like anybody that works with me, I like them to get paid. And that was a not usually how I led the conversation. It was like, here's the thing. And I was really excited about it, and most people said no, <laughs> uh, or just didn't respond to me. Like I was, uh, and they're like, "We had no idea." Like they talked to me later, like I had no idea what you were talking about. Like immersive experience. Like what? What are you talking about, Arvin? What and, does that mean? I, and I just, I just went with the people that didn't really care if they understood it, and just said yes. Yeah. Because I knew there was going to be a level of excitement that they're going to bring to that. Like you want to. When you have a project that's never been done like this in in Minot that I'm aware of, like you want to have everybody that's participating be excited. Right. And yeah, it just grew. So it ended up being, I think, six visual artists, including myself. And uh, it was four musicians. And then it turned into two. And then it turned into three at the last moment. Like, <laughs> And uh, everybody's job was just like, do you. You have, like, uh, for the visual artists, it's like you have this much money to, to buy supplies with. Here's your space. Uh, the only thing we ask is you don't damage the walls or floor. And uh, they had free reign. You know, it's like just that's why 18 plus was on the. And, like, I know the Internet. Like, the way I explained it to most people is, like, the Internet exists. If your kid has a cell phone, they have seen porn. Um, <laughs> and it's like it's it like they've I know thirteen year old kids that are watching people shoot themselves on live video. Like, right. Nothing that they're going to walk into this experience is going to be jarring enough. But I didn't want to have like what are they saying Karens and Chads like I didn't want to mm -hmm. have <laughs> somebody being like I can't believe there's some there's people having sex spray painted on the wall. And it's like, yeah, it's like barely, you can barely see it. Right. Right. Like most people didn't see it because there's so, there was so much in that room that they're like. Oh, somebody pointed it out to me. Yeah, I you didn't know? notice it until it was pointed out either. And like there was non-sexualized nudity in some artwork. Like none of it was to me any, like my kids were running around in the, the place before it was open. Like right. I was not. So, like, that's the, that, that question when people are like, would you let your kids? And I'm like, yes. I don't think you want to ask me that question. Cause yes, <laughs> yes. I was like, yeah, if it was, if it was just, like, blatant, like, I'm trying to make people as uncomfortable as possible, like, I would have not gone for it, potentially. But at the same time, I'm not trying to stifle anybody. Like, I want to, oh, that's the creative road you want to go down? Awesome. Let's go. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not trying to... And that's the energy that I wanted to have in Candy Clown was just my portion was the box room if you went, and I called it the cracker. I wanted to completely remove people from the outside world. Then if you went to Candy Clown, like you didn't see, there were no windows after you got in there, mm -hmm. unless you uh, found the emergency exit. That was for safety purposes. <laughs> 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 but. You know, it was it was having and people the it was from top to bottom, everybody that was participating with the the project was excited. And 
I tried to get the community as excited as those working on it by not letting them know anything that was going on. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun tactic. <laughs> Uh, like I blocked off the window really fast and did some, cause social media is as much as you want, uh, it to be, they block you a lot. Like if you're at, if your advertisements are too professional, they're like, this is branded material. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, yeah, it's my brand. But he kept blocking and kept blocking. And eventually I just said, I don't care. I don't need it. And I didn't. Like, uh, it was a very successful event. I think we had a total of, like, 165 to oh, 170 wow. people that That's came. Awesome. And a lot of individuals, because the way we set it up was you had 30 minutes to go in the first time, and then from 9.30 to 11, you could come in and come and go as you please. Mm -hmm. And, like, the Tabi participated, the Blue Rider was the the taste aspect of it. I wanted to hit as many of the senses as possible. Like, oh, if I could get, if I got all six, Awesome. Like we, there were a lot of smells that were going on in there. Like, like I don't know if y'all smelled any of Virginia's uh, dolls that were hanging from the ceiling. I, I oh, didn't. I didn't think to no. do that. Like, uh, no. If you opened up the cabinet, it said, uh, "Like, how do the puppets smell?" or something like that. And I think I even saw that, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't actually take it literally. No. So, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and I found out later that she was painting people as uh, as they were walking through, which was great. Like most of the artists wanted to be there because I was like, "You don't have to be here." Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. well, and they're like, "Do we have to be there or not?" And I was like, "You can, you can't. Like it doesn't like if you want to experience it. Yeah, absolutely." I was like, "I'm going to be painting the whole time," and like really everybody involved, like I. There were a handful of like uh, negative responses. Like they're like, "What is this supposed to be?" <laughs> nothing. It was just meant to like make people slightly uncomfortable. Like there's nothing other than like take you out of outside of your 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 normal day to day, where it's just like this. Yeah. Well, even being able to get people to like ask that question, like, "What is this?" Right. So often, like the world kind of tells you what it is. So right. to be in a space where you're like, Wait, what was this? Like something had to occur to get them to that, whether they recognize it or not. So it's like, I had three people approach me within number of minutes of each other and they all had different answers. And I was like, yes. And there was somebody that was standing near me the whole time. And they're just, after the third person left, they just laughed and like, is there a real answer to any of this? No, like it's just meant to like make people smile. Some people are going to be uncomfortable. Some people are going to just be like, oh. other people have been to like Meow Wolf and all these other, like I think Soapbox. I don't, I'm really bad with names, but immersive experiences are not new, but I've just been excited about doing one for over 10 years. And every time we worked up to doing one, something happened. Like it was a lot, a lot to do with the Pangea house. Mm-hmm. They would lose the space, and then then the project goes out the window because you mm -hmm. don't have a space anymore. And just taking that, and you know, I had to learn to delegate. I don't normally delegate; I just like shove it onto my back until I drop. And I had to utilize so many different people just to get the project to move and and flow. Because if I'm more of like okay. Put me with the creative people, and we're going to get the project done. I'm going to see how they're doing. I'm going to get my stuff done. I'm just, we're, I'm the creative head that moves around. Like me doing logistics, marketing, doing, it's like I know how to do all of that. 
but I'm not skilled at doing all of it because I get tired. It makes me tired really fast. Like I don't enjoy having to do paperwork. I'm good at it. Hate it. I'm not good at uh, making sure people are doing what they have to do. So doing that was the difficult part of the project. Yeah. The community have just been asking me when I'm doing it again. So I've. That was going to be my next question. Are you doing it again? Yes. It will happen again. I wasn't going to say when because I know better. <laughs> Where I have too many people asking me when it's going to happen again to to let it go off for years again, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely we're trying to find larger grants to work with so that we can have more because all that was done in a two month time span, and I'm still recovering from from it, <laughs> right? Because so if somebody wants to come in with a large sum of money. And a decent timeline, right. that would be great. Because it would it would be nice to be able to build something, like work on in a space for three months. Because everything that people saw was um, four weeks of work. Yeah. For for it's incredible. Like for some, it was two weeks of work. For others, like like that box room, I lived in that building. Like I, mm-hmm. that was as long. I treated it like a. I don't know if you, any of you all have been in bands before, but. Uh, one of the bands that I was in, Mr. Dad, we said, like, you start strong, you end strong. Like the middle is just kind of this blurry area where people are tired. <laughs> but you open up like you, just, you know, you open up the can of nuts and the things spring up. And then you, you, you cruise through and then you make sure you end strong. And I wanted to make sure that there was a, that nice palate cleanser. And for any of you ADHD people who can't block out background noise like I did or I can, Woo. Like walking in that room was just ha, ah, because you would just. There's no echo. <laughs> that that room was an amazing experience. I seriously could have just sat there for hours. Yeah. And you know, I want to do that again, and I want to keep people on their toes. Like I, it will, it probably won't be. It will never. I don't plan on doing anything. Like exactly the same again. Like there might be an idea that I tried to execute in the first one that I'll probably try to do again, just because I didn't, I didn't do it the way that I wanted to. So it's just like no, I didn't. The box room probably never happen again. Like <sighs> if it does, it'll be on. You a, can commission one for I, your I'm garage. Have to commission one. Yeah. Just order a bunch of Amazon and you know Amazon and Chewy boxes. Those were. Yeah. Uh, so many. We had so many of those. And, uh, but yeah, large sum of money. And uh, so I can pay more people to, to work. And it's much easier to be like, look, here's this amount of money. You have this amount of money so that you can buy supplies. This is to pay yourself. This is to, right. a lot of, a lot of that is forgotten where it's just like, okay, the materials cost $750 and I'm going to spend 60 hours on this and I'm going to make $200. Right. The 50 is, the, uh, is going towards food. <laughs> so it's like not when you're given money, you're usually so excited about being able to explore your idea without having to use all of your own money that you lose that. And so hopefully work with actual grant writers so we can get bigger bigger sums of money <laughs> and leave keep me away from it like i'll bring the idea and all that but like leave me out of it like i don't need they're like what is this emotion 
He's passionate. <laughs> so passionate, he's confused. <laughs> and but yeah, it's gonna happen again. It's just uh, just just win. And right now, I'm working on a solo, finishing up a solo exhibit. So when that is done, I'm t probably taking a week or two off so that I can just not do anything. I can be lazy and just be like, no, nah, you're allowed to be lazy. You just finished. Uh, you. You did an immersive experience like you've this this year has been a major year of transition for me so it's the fact that i have achieved so much is really like i i'm surprised i mean i'm not because i've been through a lot in my life but i'm really surprised that i was like able to maintain and not shut down because everybody gets exhausted right you know? Like you're like, I've got nothing left. And then you're like, you know, I don't know if y'all have ever pushed your car to when, like, it can't go any faster. Yeah. And your governor and, picks up. Yep. And it starts doing this. And you're like, you can't go any faster. And you're like, but I need to. i got to get it done. And you're like, stop crying, for one. <laughs> <laughs> Just take a breather. You're going to be okay. Don't go drinking coffee. That'll shut you down faster. And, yeah. Just Our minivan never jerked. It just started smelling. <laughs> when I got to a certain speed, it just it was it was always this was my vehicle. I I don't know too many people that haven't tested how fast their car can actually go. Yeah, I almost hit a pheasant once, and I was like, that would have destroyed the radiator. <laughs> I'm really glad I did not hit it. It's like, and just the the fact of hitting a bird going 140 miles an hour would just be like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like all I, hit a, I hit a skunk at about 95 once, on a gravel road, no less. So. At least you didn't have to smell it. No, you didn't. You're going that fast. It does not have time to smell. Definitely behind <laughs> you. mentioned your solo exhibit. Why don't you give us a, a, a brief blurb on Doom Banana and Bismarck? Uh, Doom Banana. It's, uh, it's how, do, how do I explain Doom Banana? <laughs> I don't it, know if you need to. <laughs> yeah, like there's not, there's, it's just, it is. Like a Doom Banana it is. is. I uh, decided to use AI writing generators last night. Yes. And uh, just typed in Doom Banana. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give it any, uh, I didn't give it any, any prompts or any, like, or if I did, I gave it very opposing, where it's just like rigid, aloof. <laughs> and... Just just let it go, and it made a lot of really funny. And you could choose the the tone of which that you wanted, like humorous, concerned, uh, <laughs> passionate. You know, so I'm just like clicking all these different, and most of them came out the same. They they were all like, "This is it's." You have doom and a banana, and they just combined those with it, the fruit, and it was just talking about how destructive this thing was. <laughs> I'm so curious. Cause. And, I, you know, I put it out in my, uh, I, I'm really bad with email campaigns, but uh, the show. Hey, got your email yesterday. <laughs> I, I sent that out like three or four, three in the morning, I think. Yeah. That's the best time to put it out, anything out. It's like three in the morning. People That's, see it right everyone's away when they get wake it right, up. Yeah, yeah. First thing in the morning. And, but this, it's for like, uh, there will be words that have music or audio attached to it. So people bring their headphones and they scan the QR codes and it'll play uh, different soundtracks from friends of mine that, oh, cool. uh, that awesome. I enjoy their music. And I just be like, hey, here's a word. 
you don't actually have to like don't think about it all the time you can like honestly do whatever you want like uh like schultz got uh agitated and he's like you know almost like he's like i was like so what are you, are you like doing like trying to make people agitated or are you just like this is what i feel like when i'm agitated and he's like i don't really i'm just kind of just just kind of playing with it you so know zach. so you know yeah yeah and okay and I that's, can almost hear it. Too. It's like, like that's, that's <laughs> and that's what you. That's what I really wanted. I wanted them to just be like, just think about the word. And it's like just give it a sniff and then go about your business. Like you can, you can eat it if you want, or you can sniff. Like it doesn't really matter to me. I just want your interpretation of this. And it's because I can't afford directional mic speakers, like where people stand in front of stuff and they get sure to, right. So. I want people to, I want the exhibit itself to be kind of like this, this space and the artwork is all over the place. Like some of, like some of it means something to me. Other things are just completely, this like, this is an idea I had and I'm going with it. (laughs) And it really like Doom Banana made me enjoy art again because I was doing a lot of hyper emotional pieces for a long time and it took so much out of me. Because I was putting so much of my thoughts and feelings and being into these pieces because I wanted people to look at it and find, like, I can see it and look at it and see all the pieces of me. But I wanted to blur myself enough out of it that people could look at it and see their own self and mm-hmm. whatever capacity that is. Like, I, that's one of my favorite things about art is that it is so subjective and everyone's going to interpret it different than... I found out about Dada. I don't know if y'all know about the Dada movement. Yeah. Uh, before surreal, really? Before yeah. before no. surrealism, there, there was, was there was Dada, and it was just an easiest like art description that I know of, which is an absurd society deserves absurd art. Okay, and it's uh, the Seinfeld of art. Okay, like it is. It yeah. Okay, it's art about nothing. I mean, <laughs> And you can attach whatever feelings you want yeah. to it. And that's, to me, that is, it re- allowed me to just, I can do whatever I want. And that's, that's exciting to not feel like you're obligated to do something that's going to make you cry. <laughs> and, like, uh, the first exhibit that I ever did was exactly that. Like, every piece was, like, this had my blood, sweat, and tears in it. And... I like I don't I had three nervous breakdowns with that with that exhibit at Tabby. And I needed each one of them to be where I'm at now, but when you're trying to do an exhibit, like it isn't like sitting in your bed going because <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't muster up the energy to do anything. So this I was surprised how many pieces I actually got done because there's like thirty plus pieces. Wow. Uh, and I'm doing sculpture, painting, like uh if I had time, I probably would have done animations. Like I would have taken everything that I've taught myself over the years and applied it, because I've taught myself to do so many. Like the only reason I don't don't do animations now is because of time. Like if anybody has animated, they know. There's a it's old saying of, like, uh, animating is like riding a bike, and the bike's on fire, <laughs> and you're on fire. Everything's on fire, and you're in hell. <laughs> <laughs> so when when is the exhibit? Uh, February 28th is when it opens okay. in Bismarck at the Bismarck Art Gallery Association. 
and it goes until through March 24th. Awesome. This should be out by then. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's if not, you know, it's uh, it's going on tour. It's I think the tour starts in October, but there's like a seven month gap in between, which I was not aware of. So like when I shove things into my calendar and then all of a sudden I did it wrong and I just feel completely discombobulated, like I'm not going to make it. So now it just gives me time to, I can, I can sell pieces at this, at this show and then just make more doom banana stuff. Cause I'm probably going to be doing doom banana for a long time. Cause it's so much fun. <laughs> Cause really it can mean anything and everything. Like it can be, like you can attach whatever you want to it. It's like you'll find a banana in there somewhere. It's just whether or not it's in the like. Here's a banana, or it's like there's there's a banana somewhere. Where's Waldo? <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's it's an easy way to like I don't know. It was just an easy way for me to. I think it helped with my this year being such a transitional year. Like it helped me be like, oh yeah, life's fun. Yeah. Like it's it's painfully fun. There you go. All right. So uh we'll close with the question that we always close with. If you could make just one arts related recommendation to someone either visiting or new to our community, what would it be? Walk in the alley. You know, you always find like I love graffiti. I, I do like some people, you know, it's like, but that's, there's a, a sense of, there's so, there's so much emotion that goes into graffiti. Like it, some people love it. Other people hate it. You know, it's just, it, there's, it, it breathes life to me. Like it's, just, like, and I enjoy, you know, like I'm not allowed to do this, you know? And then there's, <laughs> and then there's, you know, and then there's the people that are like, Oh my God, I can't believe. And it's just like, ah, you know, it's like, it sucks. And like, there are like, you do wish that some teenagers, cause most of the stupid ones are teenagers and they're like spray painting on windows and things like that. But I don't know the alley. Cause there's a lot of interesting work that down in that alley that I've, watched get added to some people spray paint over but it just it just grows and you're like you don't i know a lot of the people but it's like most people don't but you get to see how it's like oh there's like professionally done stuff there's people that didn't do anything and it forces you to kind of look at the underbelly of a city like i like i like the underbelly of of silly silly sillies cities sillies. <laughs> you know like going under bridges and like any i like going down alleys and like yeah I'd, I'd say the alley and, and downtown might not and then you might get more interested to go travel under bridges and things like that that are, are in the surrounding areas in the uh, might not because you find interesting pieces of artwork that you're like i didn't know this was here yeah that is cool it's just everywhere yeah very cool well arvin thank you for being here thank you all right our guest today has been Arvin Davis. This is the Minot Arts Podcast, your map to the arts in small town America. I'm Justin. And I'm Shandell. Thank you for listening.
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed our antics today and would like to hear more from us, we'd greatly appreciate you leaving a review or subscribing via whatever platform it is that you're listening to podcasts on. The Mind on Arts podcast is hosted by Justin Anderson and Shindel Latin, is presented as a program of the Minot Area Council of the Arts in Minot, North Dakota, and is produced by Brandon Tronson of More Than Music. This project is supported in part by grant from the North Dakota Council on the Arts, which receives funding from the state legislature and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you again for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us or any of our programming, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or online at minotarts.org. Thank you.